Welcome to RPG Ramblings with Jeff Jones. This is a weekly show exploring the various details of the tabletop RPG hobby through discussions with interesting people. Today, Doug Cole joins me from Gaming Ballistics, and he talks about his product, Character Collections for the Fantasy Trip, that is currently running on Kickstarter. This is a great resource for any fantasy RPG, as it provides a great deal of flavor text for each NPC. To make it better, it only costs $10 to get all the funded PDFs. Doug has been in business for a number of years and shares his experiences running Kickstarters and getting physical books printed. The second interview is with Eduardo Kromitsky, who hails from Milano, Lombardia. He relates his history with gaming and his path into designing story games. We talk about his Kickstarter project, Little Katie's Tea Party. It is a game that exudes a tremendous amount of charm. The goal is to protect Katie, but introduces the quandary of how far should one go in protecting her. After all, growing into adulthood requires learning to navigate hardships. It is time to get rambling. So you have uh, some products for the fantasy trip that are that is kickstarting as we speak, right? I do, I do. Um, as part of writing up. Uh, and I am going to talk about the Kickstarter, but I, there's a, a tiny intro here. As part of writing up one of the adventures that I finalized for the prior TFT Kickstarter called The Sunken Library, uh, I ran into a situation, uh, and I'd seen this before, where a random encounter uh, is, you know, oh, you meet six fighters of 32 points or something like that. And I was getting a little miffed because I was tired and, and COVID and all that. Uh, I didn't have COVID, but you know, we're all right. up and so tempers are fresh. So I was getting a little tired of seeing that. And I'm like, God, you know, we got to provide at least a minimum stat block so that, cause my, one of my rules in this is, you know, people are not pay. If, you, if you're buying an adventure from me, you're not paying me to assign you homework. If you want me to assign you homework, you can call me professor. Right. I got a PhD. I can be a professor. Right. So if you want me to assign you homework, you can take a class. But if you're paying me for an adventure, you're paying me to do that work for you. And so what I realized is that there needed to be more ready-to-play materials so that when you ran into six fighters of 30 to 33 points, the game master could just deal out six cards or go to a book and find, say, oh, these six guys – or or whatever, and 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 not interrupt the game, but not fight six identical clones. Because let's face it, if you're fighting six bad guys or twelve bad guys or God forbid thirty three bad guys in some games, where where you can mow down opposition, right? Where thirty three orcs or something like that right. isn't a challenge. Um, you know, maybe you want those. Now TFT is better because it's a much more visceral interaction and you never really outgrow being threatened um you don't have very many hits uh to, to before you're dead and uh and any luck hit can can really hurt you so uh uh it's you know one of the older school games that way where combat is lethal um but so you're not necessarily going to be facing 15 people the point is rolling forward sometimes it's really nice to be able to uh just have something ready to play that isn't six clones. And so my last project was running a little late because a lot of the things I've been talking about, I'm looking at the manuscripts in front of me and saying, I think we could do this better. But it was a tough time for a lot of people. And so I wound up having to 
extend and revise uh, this to fit my vision, which I did not communicate clearly to the authors ahead of time. But in order to give the best product to the backers, I, I did a lot of tweaking. And one of the things I did is I added to the sunken library 62 individual NPCs that you could interact with. And that was really neat. And I came up with this character collection book uh, that I mailed to the backers for free. Uh, so I gave away 550 copies of, of this eight-page little thing, each of which was an interesting character with a, just enough backstory to give you um, motivation and how they're going to act and what they do. And I was like, this is a really neat idea. And I was talking to people like, well, what, what about more than this? And, and people like, this was really cool. And so I was like, all right, let's do this. And so I, I wrote two more. I planned three more beyond that. So I wrote uh, Character Collections 2 Rookies and Character Collection 3 Bandits and Outlaws, which was a ton of fun to write. Um, and I've got Wizards, Merchants and Caravans, and Pirates, Raiders, and Sailors planned as books four, five, and six. And I cannot wait. I hope that I hit the stretch goal for it. Uh, but I cannot wait to give you a long ship populated by a couple dozen angry Vikings who are going to sail up in your campaign <laughs> and just start laying waste to stuff. Um, you know, but you know, uh, you have pirates and you have sailors and you've got some wizards and ready to play characters with, they're not optimized. They're just people, right. and, but they're ready to go. And uh, so I've got that Kickstarter. It launched, what day is today? Today's Saturday, right? It so it, 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 la it launched yesterday at 10. Uh, it was funded by 6 p.m. However, it's a very different kind of structure in this thing. From here on out, now that we funded, all the stretch goals are based on backer count, not dollars. So if we get to three, when we get to 300, when, 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 confident when, when we get to 350 backers, which is, I think, pretty reasonable, um, there's going to be some things that happen when we get to 500 your $10 pledge now includes the PDF of the Wizards book. Um, if we get to 700 backers, your PDF includes Merchants and Caravans. And if we get to 1,000 backers, uh, which would by far be the best Kickstarter I've ever run, uh, you also get Wizards, I'm uh, sorry, you get uh, Pirates, Sailors, and Raiders um, included. So if we hit all the backer goals, your $10 pledge includes six PDFs, for 10 bucks. Um, now, if you want hard copies, those are available as add-ons. If you want cards, like there's little, you know, yeah. these characters on cards, um, that's an add-on. So all the physical stuff are, is available as add-ons. So this is not a, it's, 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 a, it's, it's a little bit of a risk uh, because it's not a fire and forget Kickstarter. You can't just pledge and then come back later and, and say, oh, well, you know, I'll eventually get my stuff. You have to your pledge can grow. And so I'm hoping that people share it and tell people about it and, uh, and, and come on board that $10. And the thing is, is I don't need you. I mean, I want you to come in with a $300 pledge, but I don't need you to come in with a $300 pledge to release these books. If everyone who comes in up to a thousand backers comes in at $10, I win. It, 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 everyone wins, right? You get more stuff yeah. and it's a successful project. Now, as people buy, if people are like, Oh, I want hard copy you win more because you get the hard copy and I win more because once I get to the PDF stage, once I've paid for the things I need to pay for, which is where the backer count goals come from, 
uh, once I get to that stage, it's, it's just, we all succeed, right? You get what you want. And, and I make my business, which is now my only job because uh, 2020 was hard in a couple of ways. Um, but, you know, I want to be a game company. I want to be, do this right. as, a, as a living. So, but yeah, this is a, it, it's a different kind of structure. Um, and I'm hoping the word gets out and uh, people come in and drop. And even if you're not playing Fantasy Trip, these are these concepts are very portable, um, and you've got uh, every character is is individually illustrated, um, little black and white or grayscale line art, um, <clears throat> and provided uh, there there will be these are these not only they're in the book but they're actually on the front and back covers, um, which of course in a PDF is just the second and the second to last page right. uh, in a grid so you can print them out and a little hobby knife action on cardstock or, oh, nice. or i'm gonna have i'm gonna print out uh two and a half millimeter chipboard um counters the punch outs um as well as the the quick reference cards so there's a lot of product especially if you've not jumped on board with my tft materials before there's you know i've been i've been at this a while now and so if if all six books fund, I'll have 16 uh, TFT books that I've published in the last couple of years um, and over 600 individual characters on cards and counters wow. with, with art. Um, and as uh, someone said, that's no longer a curiosity. That's a reference. Right? <laughs> that, that's a wealth of material that right. you can just keep coming back to. Um, where you know you'll never you can you can run into these guys and you can never run into the same 32 point fighter twice and if you do run into them a second time you won't know because you've had right. 162 encounters before then um so it, it becomes quite the uh uh the tool to provide interesting and, and varied campaigns so you know right now we're we're uh there it's it run the campaign runs until uh um campaign runs until march 9th um so another uh 17 16 and a half days so to speak um and uh we're you know we're funded and we're the next step is 350 backers so so really um, right now you know if you're backing i you will you will be delivering so it's not like it's a an uncertainty as far as if it's going to fund it's already funded so you might as well just jump on that is that is correct and and Honestly, at this point, the best way to do it uh, is jump in, throw down your 10 bucks, figure out what you want later, right? And if you don't want anything more than your $10 PDF, you're going to get whatever right. comes for that. Um, but there, there's no pressure to spend a lot of money on this. I mean, please spend a lot of money on this. Um, but uh, uh, there's no pressure to do it because all the goals are simply based on the number of people who pledge. Um, and, and from here on out, now that it's funded, and I can tell you, Character Collections 1, as I said, was finished uh, as part of the More Perilous Journeys thing. So that's already out there. Um, character Collections 2 and 3... Uh, character collections three is completely done. All the art is there. It's written. It's laid out. It's ready to go. I could ship it out tomorrow. Um, I just received either half or three quarters of the art for character collections two, um, and character collections one, the three hundred and fifty backer stretch goal. Uh, character collections one, I used art that I already had. 
Um, but the first stretch goal with 350 backers is going back and individually illustrating the characters um, from CC1 um, to put on cards and, and counters. I'm not going to uh, relay out the book um, because people bought it. They have it. And some people bought it in, uh, uh, in hard copy. And I don't want to take that. Um, you know, they did me a favor by buying that book in hard copy, you know, and they wanted it in hard copy. And I see no reason to invalidate their purchase. Uh, so if you want the individual art, you can get the cards, you can get the counters. Um, and those those unlock at 350 backers. And, you know, my last two TFT Kickstarters were 550 and 620 backers. So I, I, I'm fairly confident that not only are we going to hit that, uh, we have a good probability of hitting Wizards, CC4. Uh, and so you'll get four books uh, with that. Um, the 700,000, that's a reach, but there's a reason why they call it a stretch goal. Right. Uh, but, but books one, two, and three are basically done. I actually expect uh, that if not by the end of business tomorrow, uh, certainly by Monday or Tuesday, uh, the three of those will, is all I just have to do is hit go uh, and send. Uh, and those PDFs, PDFs are ready to go. Um, so you're only doing yeah. this for like what 18 days so this yep. is not a yep that's right so uh, it, 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 there's no there's no reason to make a long you know and, and that's actually something that i think more and more people are finding there's very little reason these days to suffer through suffer well, <laughs> no, I mean, if, well no i mean from if, if you have you run kickstarters of your own have you done yeah stuff? i just got off of a just a two-week scoundrels for the right. zine okay. quest okay yeah so so was zine quest the typical a bunch of stuff in the beginning 12 days of agony and then cool stuff at the end for you? Yeah, well, it was the first day was the best. The second day was pretty decent. Yeah. And then I, the first two days are good. And then it, it, it was, it wasn't flat, but it was kind of trickling throughout most of the time. Right. Stopped for a couple of days. And the last couple of days, it, it, it didn't like go crazy because, but it, it definitely, it did go up the last two days. Right. So, so, so on some of my old campaigns, um, you see this a lot where, especially like where like my second dungeon fantasy role-playing game campaign, uh, the Citadel at Nordvorn, I had just a ton of people come in on day one. They knew it. They were anticipating it. They were glad to see more stuff and then nothing and nothing and nothing and nothing. And Oh my God. Then at the end, you know, we, we, we funded in the middle, but it was like, like sometimes it felt like it was like adding like 35 cents a day. You know, it's yeah. just horrible. And and then yeah. you get to the end and it all goes up because people are either going to jump in right away or something happens and you get a, a weird thing going on. And then at the end, people who are like, oh, well, did it fun? What do I do? I'll make up my mind at the end who are following come in at the end. Um, and so the short campaigns, especially short campaigns for material that you know already exists or you're going to write or whatever. Uh, I think that that's really the way to go. Well, I think you've already have your your customers from the previous one, or the the, the people that um, um, you know that that, that helped you. Uh, I can't remember yeah, the proper term, right. but who, who are the ba the backers? So you already have a pre built audience that helps, and I think the in between time is good for um, interviews and going various forums and helping get little spikes here and there. But it's it's definitely you're right to to do this for a month or longer. That would just be now. Now horrific. you can get some weird things happening. So let in my 
first TFT campaign, it was going okay. And then mid-campaign, I was encouraged by some people and I looked into it. Uh, and I was encouraged to do the cards and the counters. And I had never done a Kickstarter with stuff before. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was really nervous about it because you, you books are easy. Because you can do media mail and mix yes. them, and right. I mean, the, you throw a pack of easy. cards in there; it's, it's no longer media. All mail. of a sudden, and you th- I mean, formally, if you throw a post-it note in there, uh, it's no longer media mail. Um, most people do, but you know, whatever, right? But it's but once you start sending stuff, not only is it problematic from uh, media mail perspective, but for your international backers, stuff is has a twenty twenty five percent value added tax on it. And there's no way to know in Kickstarter. Right. If you keep it as a book, you're fine. But once it turns into a game, it's not fine. Right. And Denmark has a 20 or 25% VAT on books, but almost everyone else is zero to 10%. I think it averages five or seven. You can eat that. I do. Right. You can eat, you can't eat shipping, but you can eat a five or 10% loss in margin uh, to to VAT. And you got to get registered. Right to 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 if you know so I'm registered for VAT in the United Kingdom, uh, back when they were part of the European Union that made it <laughs> easy. Uh, but I still you know they're they're doing their thing and 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 it's still you can do uh, uh, you can work that out. Um, but anyway, the point is is that um, once you're shipping stuff as well as books, uh, life can get a little bit more complicated. Um, and so mid campaign, I'm like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do cards. And Steve Jackson Games was super kind to me, and they allowed me to use the same layout that they were using in their big Decks of Destiny campaign, yeah. uh, which was an even uh, slightly smaller box, but not much more so than the Fantasy Trip. But they they let me use their layout and the card size, and so I didn't have to do it. It was the same product. It meshes with their stuff perfectly. And that is the same of the current cards, I might yeah. add. They, they are Decks of Destiny cards. Um, and... All of a sudden, in the middle of the campaign, it went insane. It went absolutely insane. People were throwing money at it, and more people were backing, and blah, blah, blah. And I had never seen uh, a Kickstarter where in the middle of the doldrums, all of a sudden, we had a typhoon wind, and it just took off. It's still, to date, my best Kickstarter ever. Well, I think the thing, too, is, I mean, the books, it's like you feel like you can get any time, right? Yeah. That could be. But, but cards and, and, and you know, in um, those uh, counters, those chits or whatever that you get stamped. Right. I mean, you know, that's, a, that's, I think, I think that's a good time to do premium stuff. That's when people, they got the money, they're looking, they're like, I want. So, so I did a, so my Kickstarter, it's three zines combined. Okay. Yep. 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 So two go together hand in hand. Third's just optional rules, but the two are hand in hand. And I thought, you know, nobody's going to, and I, I did my pricing. I looked at uh, Phil Reed, did his, follow what he does, basically. It's base, he does a $1 PDF, $8 for the, for the zine, for, for, for the actual physical zine. But what I did, $8 for the PDF, $16 for the physical of two zines, and then the... 24 for the physical of three zines and i figured nobody's gonna be buying nobody's gonna spend 24 dollars for a zine i figured that was my lowest you know and so i offered the 16 dollars. so if somebody wanted physical they could 
And hardly anybody bought the 16. Either you're going PDF or you're going full out. And so I think what's happening is if you offer, because let's, who's buying Fantasy Trip? My guess is people who are nostalgic, right? And they're, and they're going, and this isn't like, like other things. This is a very specific product and they're, and they're going to spend money. Why not spend another $20 and get their full meal deal rather than right. a book they can buy anytime? I've, I've got a couple people on the current Kickstarter who took a look at the offering that I have and they've been in on some of my other stuff before, but a couple of people put down betting that uh, not only would this take off, but we'd get all the stretch goals, all the cards, all the everything. Um, So, I mean, people are willing to throw down for this sort of stuff. And uh, uh, the the TFT crowd um, is really good about oh, I said really good is there they 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 like their dead trees yeah um they like their cards they like their counters they like physical books it's almost when I do so like my last two TFT campaigns uh for every backer who was PDF only there were two who were printing PDF so it Can't was, believe it was that. yeah it was it was very heavily even my uh my my Dungeon Fantasy role playing game stuff is between one to one and and two to one on the favored side of print. Of course, you know, when you're printing full color, high quality paper books, and you're not they're, chintzy they're on worth the art having. either. You're not chintzy on the art, you're not chintzy on the layout. So, yeah. you know, it's not like you're just, you know, putting together, you know, a crappy looking product. You're actually saying, I mean, this is just as, at least from the, from, from looking at the pictures on your Kickstarter and also the stuff on your website, just the stuff that I'm seeing there. I mean, it, you're not, there's nothing that to me says, oh, this is going to be chintzy. It's like, no, this is yeah, no. beautiful stuff. Why wouldn't I want it in right. a good I, quality? One of the things that if I want to pat myself on my back uh, a little bit that I feel like I've done is I've put together an outstanding art team. Now, the covers that you're looking at for for character collections are uh, done by uh, Dean Spencer and Oh, Eric yeah, Offren. I picked some stock art. <laughs> yep, that's right. Both of those guys are outstanding. <laughs> Standing stock art uh, uh, artist, um, and, and Dean and I talk sometimes, and then we're both fans of each other's work. Um, you know, some you know, Jeff, uh, I was Jeffrey Johnson was saying, "Oh, this is great looking art," and I was like, "Hey, you know, Dean Spencer's the man," you know. Um, and you know, Dean replied back on that Twitter, you know, just just you know, he's like, "I love the way that you're using my art and your product." Right? He's like, "I'm happy to be associated with this." So it's just a great you know love fest. And I got to say that the character collections too. Uh, the Eric Lofgren cover, I could not have custom made a better cover that says rookies than the piece that he provided with three adventurers arguing over where to go next. One of them looking very exasperated and the dragon coming up behind them. I could not have said rookies in an image better than what he provided for me as stock art. So hats off to that one. I want to use more of his stuff in the future. Right. But it just looks, the layout looks good. It all looks good. So I think you definitely, you, you, you know, and I don't know that, and I think a lot of times people can look at the, what things fund at and assume that there's just tons of money. 
but once you start subtracting out your costs, your printing no, costs and, and your art no, costs, right. and, and it's not always like what people think. Oh, you got fifty thousand dollars. Well, no. maybe it's all said and done. Maybe right. you you wind up with eight in your pocket or whatever it may be. Well, and I can tell you, you know, because I publish my financial reports. I am very. Uh, as we used to say at the consulting company, when I, back when I worked with them, uh, open kimono, right? So I'm I'm very open <laughs> about uh, uh, open you know, kimono. Yeah, that was that's what you used to say. Look, I'm going to be open kimono here about about what's going on. Um, but every year since I started my business, I've published a year in review that includes very detailed financial numbers. Yeah. Uh, and my 2020 was a Charlie Foxtrot from beginning to end. It was just horrible. I lost fifty. I lost. Uh, uh, I think I lost sixteen thousand dollars on forty-five thousand dollars. Maybe was, I lost fifteen thousand dollars on forty-six thousand dollars of revenue. Um, now in twenty nineteen, I had a twenty thousand dollar profit on a hundred and fifteen thousand in revenue. So twenty twenty, I had a sixty percent con contraction in sales because my prior two projects went long and difficult and, and I don't do a, a project until the last one is done. Um, so like I launched yesterday, but this past Tuesday, I put between Tuesday and the prior Friday, I put 270 packages in the mail for the more Perilous yeah. journeys project. Um, that was heavy. Um, <laughs> uh, so I, you know, I put 500 pounds of books in the mail there. Um, so, but once that was done, I could get into new revenue mode, right. um, and, and do some new stuff. And it's more fun to do new stuff, right? You get to create and do, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, last year was really hard and, but by and large to do a full color book, like some of my dungeon fantasy role-playing game stuff, um, you're looking at between $150 and $300 per page between paying people a good wage to write it, editing, right. art, uh, layout. Uh, and by the way, that sort of $150, $200, dollars a page uh, does not include the printing. People still think, I think, that, that the printing is the expensive bit. It is not. 75% right. of your costs get you to PDF. Printing is usually, at least my experience, about 25% of my total bill. Yeah, I think uh, what I need to do is uh, we need to uh, have you have you back on and we can we can discuss uh, going to the weeds on business because that's sure, a sure. very interesting topic. And I think we're, gonna wind up with, yeah. we're not careful so. to our episode. Yeah, and, no. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I, I guess, you know, to sort of bring that back around, yeah. you know, um, I, I'm very I, I'm, I'm I'm both nervous and excited about the character collections project i really like the structure where your pdf the value of your pdf grows uh, as more and more people jump on board uh but the and the physical products are gated by the stretch goals so that at the end of the day every thing that you can get from me is win-win right yes. I'm, I'm making a product that i can afford to make Yep. Uh, and I can make it with high quality. Uh, I don't get into a situation where um, I have to skimp because all the costs of getting to the PDF stage are in the stretch goals. Yeah. And I am perfectly happy to get there at $10 a pop 
Um, and actually, right. I'm, it's predicated on getting there at ten dollars a pop. Well, um, Phil Reed's kind of as is kind of uh, he did, didn't he? he? He's getting a he, well. He kind of has the the plan, you know. And I and I really want to get uh, him to discuss the business because I've been reverse engineering, at least looking at what he does. Yep. And uh, he's and, definitely and, got a cadence and a pattern that he's following. He does. He he he's got he's got an he's got the right synergy. Uh, obviously, he's well known in the industry. Um, he is a, uh, a savant at production. The man knows how to put stuff together. Yeah. Um, and the things that he does are systemless, mostly. Yeah. I know he's done some some Mork Borg stuff, which is has system to it. But a lot of the stuff that he deals with. Is are all idea seeds, and they're not system. Well, they're not system the, dependent. Even the Morkborg, if you if if you look, I'm not a big. I'm not into Morkborg. I mean, I'm not into. I'm not that familiar with Morkborg, but but if you kind of look at the stuff that's being produced, it doesn't require a lot of text. It doesn't require a lot of narrative. It doesn't. I mean, it kind of some narrative, but right, right. it's more description with a little bit of stats because it's so. It, it's not systemless, but it's definitely not a a, a GURPS or Right. A three point five. Right, right, right. And 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 honestly, honestly, you know, I, I have, I would never look at character collections and say this is an OSR product. But goodness gracious, you can use it as an OSR product. You got, <laughs> I mean, you know, you've got, you've got a, you know, you've got, you know, you got like, you've got some stats that actually translate reasonably well, in, yeah. in, into the six stat array. Uh, you've got a half a dozen to a dozen descriptors like. You know, talents, sword. Okay, so you know that they're going to use the sword. You know, um, you're not really going to walk away and say cleric or druid or whatever, but you can because right. some of these heroes and stuff are going to have naturalist or woodsman, and those are going to be your rangers or your druids. Uh, some of them are going to say priest, and in, in Cedri, the TFT world, um, that's an entirely secular affair. Um, and you've got wizards, and wizards are wizards, right? So, and then in terms of fighters and barbarians, you can kind of sort of, you know, just everyone's a right. fighter, right? So you can you can use these characters as inspiration for NPCs that you meet, real, real easy, um, you know. And I'm really, honestly, I'm really tempted to to try out some of these with OSR stats. Um, yeah. And and the reason I say OSR is, and and maybe I do fifth edition or or my own book, Dragon Heresy, um, which are really indistinguishable um just the 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 terseness of the osr stat block works with the way that these are written um and i have i'm gonna want walk away here with uh, if we get all the stretch goals with 600 pieces of black and white art and the osr and tft are famously black and white interiors because of the uh not all of them but most of them are famously black and white interiors uh because you're going for a certain feel um from that 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 speaks to to people and frankly uh it is so much easier to have great production values with a black and white interior because it's so much less expensive but i think also those people would, would enjoy having those cards too you can shuffle them up and, and deal them out okay yep. shuffle yep. Them up deal yep. them out because you know the thing about henchmen too. Yes, yes, absolutely. You know that, that's kind of a, a mainstay for some of the OSR is a bunch of henchmen. So okay, yeah, flip, flip, flip. Here's your four henchmen. That's right. That's exactly yeah. right. You know, and 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 here's the thing with with a resource like that, whether it's OSR or 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 not, um, 
I need to hire some henchmen. Well, who shows up? Well, you deal out six cards and you're going to interview these six people. Yeah. So now it's a thing. It's not, oh, you just hire this guy. Now you role play interacting with these guys. And, right. and you know, and, and that's like the rookies uh, book, which is uh, 40 characters. Um, uh, I, I want to say, I, I think it works out to be about one in six of those is, is a wizard. Um, wizards are, are a little more rare in TFT, um, but you know you got all kinds of people. I mean, one of one of the characters uh, who who's an awful lot of fun uh, is. Let me see if I get this right. I think she's a rookie. Yeah, because I remember the art. Um, uh, she is. Uh, yeah, there we go. Sorno Dunn, thirty-three point skillet savant. Uh, always telling tales, usually involving her over- overcoming long odds to achieve a surprising triumph. Entertaining tales, if perhaps more than a bit exaggerated. Even so, Cerno is welcome in taverns and on the trail. If she keeps conversation lively and spirits high, she's also a fine cook, though her penchant for using her cooking implements as weapons in a fight engenders no small comment. Well, I think the nice thing is you you provide a lot of personality. So that's the, that's the fun part, especially right. dealing with characters. So it's not just, okay... Right. Here's here's henchman number three. This is someone <laughs> who uses a pair of frying pans right. as, as a shield and a sword. Now, they're not all weird. That one is just one. No, but you could also say, say you don't choose that one. Then all of a sudden, you you, you know, right. then all of a sudden, maybe the players harass the, the one hiring because we could have been eating good food. Now you're eating just crappy. Right, right, you know, right. It's, like... it, it, it's yeah. And, and, you know, some of these guys, uh, there's one wizard in there. Uh, who's I think in 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 the rookies uh, is he rookie or is he Stannis and Ally? I think he's in the rookies book. Um, he's a butcher, but he's a wizard. Well, yeah, you know, um, and he wants to be. He kind of wants to be a butcher, but he keeps getting roped into solving wizardly problems. But he's like, you know, you know, the tale of Cincinnatus. Oh yeah, like, yeah. Uh, right, right, right. So he he just wants to do his farming thing, but he keeps getting <laughs> called on to save Rome, and then he goes back to farming, and he keeps getting called on to save Rome, and then again and again, right? And and I know that the American founders had a society of Cincinnatus citizen leaders, where citizen first and leader second. Uh, let's not go there. Um, but the uh, um, but the thing is, is that's kind of my model for this guy. Is is all he really wants to do is run this butcher shop. But really secretly, he can't not be involved in the thick of things. He says he wants to be butcher guy, but really he can't wait for the next person who knocks on his door and says, I have a wizardly problem that I need you to solve. Have you oh, seen... nose, nose, I want to be in my butcher shop. Okay, let's go. Right? Have, you, yeah, so... have you seen Bird Notice? I haven't. I haven't. Oh, I highly recommend. Okay. It's about a guy who's a spy gets burned. He's trying to figure out who burned him. There's a this backlog of or this backstory. Well, not backstory. The, there's an overarching story where he's trying to figure that out. But every every time there's somebody's got a problem, he's got to fix. Right, so right, right. So there's he's that level. Pulled into it, right? Yeah, there's a point where it's like you know he doesn't really want to. Then all of a sudden it's a it's a kid involved. He's like you know, and then he can't. Oh, not, right, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so and and I just think that uh, you know and so again right the 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 initial three books for ten bucks. Um, there's 130 characters uh, in the three books, uh, 20, 40, and 72. Um, one of those groups, by the way, in the 72 in Bandits and Outlaws, and that's not a stretch goal, that's just ready. One of those groups is a squad of 12 soldiers who were part of some formal military organization. Maybe it was a mercenary company, maybe it was 
uh, an army of some sort, and now they're bandits. They either their, their main unit got killed, or they had to go away, yeah. or they did something dishonorable. So they know each other, and they fight as a team. And you've got you know a bunch of archers, a bunch of big strong guys with axes and hammers and stuff, some line spearmen and some swordsmen to, to provide. And so they fight as a team. So you know I don't know if if you've ever run a, something like this, but boy, if you take your little your typical herding cats role playing game group and throw them against someone who are disciplined uh, uh, combined arms fighters, this is the, the PCs are in a world of hurt if they're going to do hey Leroy Jenkins and well, walk I, into a train soldier, right? I did sort right? of thing, but in the opposite, they're fighting picks, and okay. uh, yeah, they yeah. just were just marching out in the woods with no really idea. And these people were using hit and run tactics with low armor, and they could run. They would just would fire their arrows, run a bit, run shoot their arrows, and run a bit. Right. <laughs> Like, right. and you're running around like why aren't they engaging me because well, they don't have to they don't have to right but you get stuff and actually i've got a couple of characters like that too in, in bandits and outlaws is people who actually there's one person who who i don't think she has any combat skills she's a poisoner um right and and uh, uh so there's there's a bunch of stuff and, and they're not all opting you know i tried i tried to give every character uh has at least one mundane thing about them because uh, everyone comes from somewhere. Um, and, and so, you know, maybe it's an armorer, maybe it's a calligrapher, maybe it's, a, uh, you know, there was a couple of them who were disgraced and they're outlaws. They're not bandits per se, but they were kicked out of polite society uh, because they said, hey, you're part of a religious order, you're part right. of this group, and, and you're hurting people or you're doing terrible things or whatever. And so I'm going to uh, expose you and and they're going to say oh well you know who has the power here uh, and so they're on the run or you know there's one who's a uh, was a Templar and was disgusted by the behavior of his own order and so now he's a he's just disgusted by everything and so now he's a paid judicial champion hmm. you have a you have a grievance I will kick that person's butt for money but you pay me first right Right. And he's got full plate. I mean, this guy's a dude. Right. I mean, he's he's right. got he's got a six thousand dollar suit of armor kicking around. Right. Or especially if you're in TFT or really any role playing game, he's a walking loot pinata. But he's a tough walking loot pinata. <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, so there's stuff like that. And I, I had a lot of fun writing these characters. I continue to have fun writing these characters. Uh, and I hope people are willing to. Uh, uh, yeah. Some of my updates will well, uh, throw down I think that, some examples. As you mentioned, there's, it's, it's very usable even if you're not using TFT. Yeah. So, so it's yep. definitely uh, – it can provide uh, a lot of just – which I think is what a lot of times missing is just the – you know, I remember back in the day when I bought the – with the Rogues Gallery. Yep, yep, yep. I mean, it's just a bunch of staff. I mean, it's just like it's just it was just dried dead, you know. So I think it's really good. Um, a thousand is the magic number. I don't, I don't know if we said that during the conversation no. or before, but a thousand is the magic number. Uh, really, uh, I would say that for, at least for me, but in general, I do a lot of spreadsheeting, uh, uh, because I'm, uh, I'm, a, I was an engineer. I'm a math guy, whatever. Uh, you know, I have a PhD in material science and engineering is my background. Um, so I do a lot of, but I was also a management consultant. So, um, I do a lot of spreadsheeting, and when I look at books from uh, like the short books of 48 pages and fewer, if you get a thousand people to come in on that, 
by and large, you're making money hand over freaking fist at a thousand people, right? Because the, 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 the books are usually priced at the square root of page count. So I've, I've done a curve fit for hundreds of published professionally books. And basically, if you, quad, you can charge twice the price if it's four times as long. Um, and so the 48, the 32, the 16, anything that's in that saddle stitch range, uh, if you get a thousand people, you're making good, good money um, on a print book, especially PDF too, fine, whatever, because the trend is still the same. Um, but especially on a print book, you know, you're going to pay a buck 50 or so for that book. You'll, you'll be able to sell it for like well, $12, I think $16. And, the thing and, is uh, yeah. what you're doing that I'm not, and I don't know that I ever can, is you are you have like product lines. And I think the idea is that once people buy into your whatever, they're going to be buying more into your whatever because you're not, you're not flipping to systems greatly or, you know what I'm saying? It's like right, 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 you right. have GURPS, you have a line doing a fancy trip, you know, if you decide to do the OSR – you're going to you're going to still have your same product but then you're going to also start another group of people to right. follow that trajectory and then you can go back and modify your old stuff and right. sell it to them now and that's actually something that I want to do and and I think I talked about in my goals for 2021 is I have this uh, uh, game called Dragon Heresy which is my 5th edition fantasy heartbreaker um right so uh, yeah right so this is uh, sewn binding, printed in China, printed too many of them in China. Um, uh, I don't, I try not to print in China anymore, but, uh, and, and that's not just some sort of statement. Um, although there is some of that, um, it takes a long ass time to get books from China. The Pacific ocean is a big place. <laughs> um, and so I found a couple of really, really good printers in, um, the, uh, the Netherlands and the, uh, in Latvia, and you start in Europe, things I heard get to Europe's you faster. Got some good printers, a lot of people doing. Uh, Livonia is is a great place to do. But honestly, for stuff that's short, uh, Mixum, the company that yeah. Phil turned me on to, is is there's really no substitute for it. And I I am on I'm on the drive through RPG Discord just to kind of watch because I have a every now and then I dump my stuff on drive through, but I don't like selling through drive through they take too much of my money and they don't do enough for me. Um, for me, they do, but for you, I can see where they wouldn't. Yeah. Um, but uh, in any case, the, 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 the drive through product lightning source and, mm -hmm. and, uh, and all that just substandard, you know, they, they, they ruined my, the first retail order I ever had, they misprinted it. It was like the inks didn't line up. Um, stuff like that, right? you know, it's just gone, you know, yeah. I can't, I can't, I can't do that. So I've, 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 I've very rarely done POD, um, because of that and, and some other things and the books are just higher quality. Mixum does a great job. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I'm, this is my first time with my first rodeo. So we'll see how this goes. Okay. Well, thanks for joining me. Thank you. Hello, Eduardo. Hi, Jeffrey. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a great pleasure. So, um, you are in Italy. Yes. And you are a game designer. Of course. So, what 
so how does someone in Italy living on the Mediterranean, which I guess in my mind, which might be wrong, I, I'm thinking is like uh, paradise, <laughs> warm weather <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and seafood and great food. Um, you know, my experience uh, growing up with RPGs, even though it's, it's much different now and people are younger, is just that most of the, the RPG grew out of people living in small Midwestern cities and towns where weather is miserable for most of the year. And when it was good, there's still nothing to do. So we kind of, we would, we would, you know, sit around these games. So someone in Italy, how, how did you get started with RPGs? Okay. Well, for starters, I live in a small town near Milan, uh, which is uh, 200 uh, kilometers away from the nearest sea, uh, which is the uh, Ligur uh, Liguria Sea. And uh, the, that's not a good uh, sea, uh, rock, rocky beach, so <laughs> not much not attractive. And uh, as a, a small town inhabitant myself, uh, I, try, I start playing uh, with my friends uh, in high school and middle school. Uh, mostly Dungeons and Dragons, of course. And uh, so, when you were playing Dungeons and Dragons, were you playing? Uh, I'm assuming an, an Italian uh, translation of Dungeons and Dragons. Yes, yes, yes. So, which version did you start playing? Uh, the 3.5 version. Okay. And uh, then, uh, uh, then I mean, I stay on the 3.5 version uh, for a long, long time. And uh, I, I play my share of uh, fourth edi edition as well, but uh, uh, like uh, uh, long after, uh, long after. I... So, and so like, what age were you when you were playing fourth edition? I played uh, in uh, in my university period, so twenty one, like uh, almost uh, ten years ago now, and. Uh, uh, the, the other game I played uh, as a teenager uh, was uh, Cyberpunk 2020. Yeah, yeah, you definitely were in the the era of of complexity of game systems, and I think uh, being at your age at that time, because I was I'm older than you, so we we didn't have games that measured that level of complexity. But boy, that just seems to be at your at that age, it's like the perfect system to get lost in. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I remember. I mean, I remember that the, the 3.5 uh, specifically had uh, a ton, uh, ver uh, a truckload of uh, expansions, sp splat books and stuff. And we use it all. Uh, I mean, uh, I, the, more, the, more, uh, the most vivid uh, campaign I recall, uh, we played uh, a level 15 with multi-classes and uh, all, uh, all the material available. I don't know. Uh, like we we uh, we had we we use uh, two or three afternoon just to play, to make characters and then we played uh, three four times uh, tops, but uh, it was fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean we did have some systems that were more complex, but they were just terribly the mechanics were terrible as opposed to I think three point five and especially four point oh. Uh, they probably were much more. Um, even though made the splat book start breaking things at the end, uh, they definitely were much more usable systems rather than some obscure stuff that, you know, came out in the late eighties. So, 
Oh, <laughs> those, yeah. were, those were heady times where you could, you know, I, I'm also, I played the hero system, uh, which I dearly love, but you know, once you get to the combat stage, you know, it's, you know, you're playing for maybe an hour and a half, just to resolve a combat. But, but when you're young, it's like, that's perfect, right? You're, you're going to kill an entire weekend. You don't care that it takes two hours to do a combat. Yeah. Yeah. I, I played, uh, I, I remember playing, uh, over the entire night like to to the sunset uh, until the sunrise <laughs> no problem no as long as you have mountain dew uh, you're good to go right yeah yeah basically <laughs> yes yeah and uh, i heard uh, some uh, like horror stories about uh, the palladium rift systems I, i've never played in the, the, the yeah. palladium system but i have as well Yeah, recently I played uh, the um, the Savage Worlds uh, version of of the system, and uh, it was it was uh, a ton of fun. But of course, uh, it was a newer and more uh, manageable system. So it's yeah, fun. well, you know, Savage Worlds, you know, it started as a as a miniature system, and it is, I think, generally pretty efficient in doing what it does. And I, I think that you know, I've never played the rifts, but I think if I was going to do rifts, if I would, I would definitely would choose the Savage Worlds, even though I, I've never read the rules, but I'm, I'm familiar with Savage Worlds. Say so that that's a much quicker system to, do res to resolve things. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, and uh, also you can uh, yell mega damages. So this is the <laughs> core of the game to my understanding. <laughs> mega damage. Yes. There, there's a podcast um, called, um, I think it's called MDC Cast, uh, where they, they just go through some of the, the Palladium books and, and just do a page-by-page -page critique of, of just the, the absurdity of it all. But uh, it's kind of yeah. fun. It's kind of fun. So, uh, so, so you played these games, so a lot of crunch. So was there a period in time where you, where you stopped playing games? Uh, not really. Um, uh, during the, um, the last year of the university, I start to, to hang out uh, in the, the forums and uh, in the online groups of Italian players. And I basically was exposed to the more uh, new wave in the, in the stuff. We have uh, some publishers that uh, are... Uh, are committed to translate and bring to Italy those kind of games. So I play I play a couple of times Troll Babe by Ron Edwards and uh, then uh, stay on that branch for for a while actually. And uh, I think that the first game of uh, the genre I played uh, in a convention actually was uh, Lovecraft-esque uh, by Joshua Fox, the Lovecraftian uh, horror thing. So you said Lovecraft-esque. Lovecraft so yes. what, what kind of system was that using? Uh, yeah, uh, it's a masterless game. And uh, you basically tell a story of Lovecraftian horror by chasing the, the, chasing the, the footprints of a witness and you you follow him until uh, he faces the the final horror and uh, normally uh, they die horribly 
yeah, it's Lovecraft it, after all, no? Yeah, exactly. It's it's disappointing when nobody dies and nobody goes insane. So, so it sounds like you're you at this point, uh, you you took a hard turn, right? Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> I like. Uh, uh, I mean, I was young, so I. I take that hard turn, then I explore in that direction. Then I, I, I at one point, I think I, I said to myself, okay, I know about it. I like it. I will play it probably a lot, but I also want to play other things, other stuff. Yeah. So I, I play other stuff. Like uh, I play my first share of the fifth edition of Dungeons and Dragons, of course. I run uh, all the course of Strad campaign i i'm in the middle of finishing the um, lost mine of pandalver uh, run from the start of set and uh, i like it is a good edition uh, i think uh, i uh, i like it because uh, now i have a simpler taste uh, so right. maybe maybe uh, as a teenager I, I i would be bothered by the the simplicity of the mechanics and the numbers uh, not now Right. I, I think there's just a point, right, where I think, yeah, I think there's a number of, of systems that go on in, I mean, we look at an RPG, there's a number of subsystems like character generation, you know, so if you look at like, you know, like 3.5, I mean, you can just spend days just creating characters, right? Yes. And you just get lost in that whole, that whole thing. But I think as we get older, our, our emphasis is more on let's just get to the story, let's get to the to us the fun parts and less of of those sub games. So that's where I think those simpler systems they get to the point very quickly, right? They they, they focus more. The more simpler the simpler your system, the more it gets to whatever it is it's meant to do. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Also, uh, I have a like a personal issue. I think the the game I played uh, during my high school uh, prone me to attend uh, a math degree, mathematical science and in university. So now my work is different from uh, that. I'm not like a scholar or stuff, but uh, uh, still I can help to try to calculate or, uh, all the probabilities and uh, the curves and um, derivative and uh, first and second derivative of the probability and stuff. So the simpler, the less uh, my brain uh, goes uh, around that concept. <laughs> well, what's I think what's interesting? Have you ever played any games like uh, the like the Cortex system? Like uh, it's uh, Marvel Heroic. They're they're famous for and Leverage. Have you played any of of those games? I don't know the Cortex the Cortex system because so, uh, we haven't. A, it's a dice pool system. Okay. And, but I think what's interesting is you have the ability to manipulate the dice in your pool before you roll it. Okay. And, and I think what's interesting about this, that system is it takes away, I think, one's ability to, like you said, calculate probability. You know, because you look at, you say, you know what, I hit on a 15 or better. You know, I got, I got, you know, 17 hit points left. My, my sword does, you know, 1d10 of damage. You know, he's got X amount of hit points. And you start figuring out, like, what are my odds of surviving this? What are my odds of winning this? 
where I think uh, there are some systems where they obscure the the mechanic. Well, I'll say the the probability from the player to be able to quickly discern. But it's nice to know that there's math behind it that you can rely on that it's not just broken. But I think that does kind of help with immersion more so than like you say when you start when you have all the all the gears right in front of you moving, you can kind of look at it and 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 do analysis where. Maybe you shouldn't be doing that in a role-playing game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you you almost never do, should do that, to be honest. Yeah, is, is and... this what my character would do or is this not what my character would do? Not be like, well, I got a 25% chance of winning. And I think about a 40% yeah. chance of dying. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's yeah. Okay. yeah, but it goes worse like... Uh, if I if I do that in that in four move, I have the ninety one percent probability to close the encounter. So let's do that. <laughs> yeah. Right. If I die, we're done. Let's just do it. <laughs> yes. The, either way, we're good. <laughs> it's like, um, yeah. And so, so it sounds like you do you you do play uh, still the D and D, but just the not the three point five anymore. No. And so. No. So you start playing these, I think when you start playing the simpler, well, I'll say simpler, well, I'll say simpler. So you start playing these less rules heavy uh, systems. Um, I think it starts, uh, maybe you can agree, it starts becoming easier to see, I think, how one can play with design, right? Like, yeah, you, can, you know, like, well, that's kind of neat. And I kind of like this mechanic. And you start seeing how things work a little bit easier. So so I guess that is that what kind of led you to start designing games is is you know the experience to some of these simpler mechanic games. Yeah, yeah, I think um, I, there is a say in our community of indie gamers in Italy, and also designers that is basically the the culture is uh, you have to play it all to be a good designer. So yes, uh, the, those are certainly games that uh, uh, prone you to uh, think around mechanics and uh, different point of view in games uh, and uh, make things different because uh, they feel and play around uh, maybe quite different with each other. So I think you are uh, more... Uh, more upward to do something even different from that. Right. So what was the first game that you designed? Oh, let's see. I mean, uh, even with uh, when I was playing only D&D 3.5, of course, uh, I like I scribble on my notebook uh, some system that are uh, uh, something or somewhat. But I think oh, my... So you created a house rule for your D&D system. So yeah, yeah, of course. What were you dissatisfied with? He said, you know what? I could do this better. Of course. Yeah, I, I have my D&D but better stuff. I don't recall any of it. Like I purged it from my memory uh, because now my D&D, my 3.5 but better is 5.0. So it's right. okay. And uh, I think my first game at all was... Uh, a uh, the pool a uh, uh, the pool hack uh, the pool is a game from uh, uh, i i only remember west uh, from the surname it's a really simple game is with a pool of d6 
and it was uh, one of the first game that uh, shakes uh, up uh, thing a little. So you're saying the D six? Are you saying the West End games system with using D sixes? You say a D six pool system? Yeah, the game is called the pool. The pool? Yeah. So is it Italian game? It's, uh, no, no, no. It's uh, from. Wait, let me just uh, look it up on Google. Is from uh, Jim Wu West. Okay. Yeah, it's interesting because you know the pretty much most. Of, so, so did that system work well for you? I mean, was it something that you you kept, or is it something that you discarded? No, like it's a three or four page game, and uh, so it would uh, it was uh, easy to construct upon. But I remember that uh, the first thing I tried to do is uh, cast my own setting and stuff. Right. But it was uh, really, really green as a work. It hasn't a draft or, or stuff or yet. Maybe my first playable game, it's long stretch, was my 2017 entry to the Games Chef Italian Edition. It was called uh, Ecos uh, on the Brink of the Night, and it was meant to be an horror game. I designed it uh, in like uh, a long weekend uh, with a friend. Uh, we were like uh, shut down in a home, and uh, we ordered uh, only pizza and chips uh, for three days. Uh, and then uh, until the, <laughs> at the end, this game com comes up. And of course, it was uh, beautiful and arguably greasy because of the chips. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? And so, so looking back at it now, I mean, what what's your, your your viewpoint of that game? Do you do you think like, oh, it's great, but I'll never go back to it? Is it something you think, oh, I'll dust this off and 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 revisit this and update it, or what are your thoughts? No, at the moment I think I'm uh, more like uh, I this uh, this know the game as my child, <laughs> like uh, a very pretty work, a very seminal work. the The game, um, the game for the next year of the game chef, uh, however, uh, was quite different, and I quite um, proud of it. It's it called uh, it is called uh, Lost in Redaction. And it is a game, uh, an online game, uh, before the pandemic made it cool. And uh, it was meant to be played uh, on a Google document. And uh, in the game, basically, you have a manifesto. I choose the, uh, the Metamodernist manifesto because uh, I, I think it's very cool. And basically, you play as uh, three or four uh, scholars that uh, need to finish, uh, edit, and modify the manifesto for publishing the, the next morning as an artistic avant-garde. And so you, you take this Google document and uh, you, uh, um, you start uh, edit, uh, make suggestion, make comment, and uh, basically uh, pick fight uh, based, based on your character on what uh, should be done with this document. Hmm. 
That's interesting. Yeah, uh, I played uh, three or four times. Uh, the results uh, were quite parodistic, uh, but it's fun, uh, like a party game of some sort, especially if you play it on your computer and you leave uh, the audio open. The audio is not required for the game. And like you comment out of character what's going on. That's that's interesting. So so then you've got two games for the it, Italian, let's see, the RPG Chef, the Italian edition. So uh, this kind of reminds me, I think there was an RPG Chef game put out by Roan Barton, a uh, game, but was it started by Ro, Roan Barton and Ed Healy back like 10 years ago, the uh, RPG Chef, do you know? I'm... I'm not uh, very familiar with the, the history of the game Chef, but yes, it's an, um, it's an international competition. I know that uh, basically, I, I think the last edition was in 2019. And uh, we have an Italian chapter for Italian uh, written game, who is called uh, Game Chef Pumarola. Yeah, so um, yeah, I'm not really seeing. It. So yeah, that's that's very cool. So so, how, like, is it widely? Is there a lot of participants in this for the Italian version? Sorry, is there a lot of participants in the RPG Chef? Was there a lot like a lot of competition? Yeah, I mean, not as uh, as many as the English edition because it was worldwide, of course. But I try to recall. Uh, uh, nearly 60 submission in the 2018. So it sounds like there's quite a bit of, of Italian designers out there as far as for RPGs. Yes, yes, we are we are a bunch. Uh, the, the, the Italian market is uh, um, quite uh, strange uh, for uh, this point of view. Uh, for start, of course, it's tinier uh, because uh, uh, the the English speaking uh, people to Italian speaking people ratio ratio is twenty five to one, right. and so the by uh, of course the RPG market is smaller, but it's kind of divided. We have uh, some we have some publisher that uh, do almost only. Uh, translation and localization uh, of, of foreign games and we have uh, some uh, publisher Italian publisher that publish uh, their own game and uh, so Italian uh, there are Italian uh, based and uh, and all so like it I'm assuming I may be incorrect but I'm assuming uh, Dungeons and Dragons is probably the the majority of people of the game that people are playing in Italy? Do you know? Yes, yes. It's the dragon in the room. Of the... course. <laughs> <laughs> of course. So I guess the question is the, so for the, so you have, so you're able to get um, Italian uh, translations of, of work, of RPGs, of, of English RPGs. Uh, how strong is the, um, is the Italian RPG, I mean, as far as RPGs, that started out in Italian, um, 
is there is do they have like a strong foothold in Italy or are they just not as um are they just kind of more more like tertiary like so do they like it, are the Italian RPGs well known by other Italians or in in played or is it not so much okay uh so i think the my my reasoning now uh could be expanded to the worldwide but uh, i let uh, you confirm that so of course dungeons and dragons is a synonym about role-playing game for uh, almost all the population then if you go in the uh, tabletop role-playing uh, game uh, niche so if you talk uh, to gamers we have other titles right of course the 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 ones with uh, most market market share are the historical one so pathfinder uh, warhammer um, warhammer fantasy roleplay cyberpunk and uh, a few other title uh, but uh, there was uh, um like uh, 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 about Dungeons and Dragons, uh, the fourth edition was not uh, uh, really um, well um, well claimed uh, in Italy, so it was not uh, the the big success success of the three point five and uh, the fifth. And for this reason, uh, the market uh, uh, had room for um, Italian titles. Okay. And uh, some 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 of them uh, grew quite big. I think the the biggest one from the underground is this game. is called Cine Requie. Uh, uh, it's the Latin from uh, uh, Without Rest, and uh, is uh, is about uh, like uh, undead apocalypse in the 1930s. I think I I never played it uh, very much, but it's quite big in Italy. And uh, then, uh, like there are uh, many, many, many splat book of the setting of what uh, all uh, on about uh, all the different nation of the um, the world reacts uh, to the this uh, awaken uh, from the the dead. But but it's, it's set like like in the 30s or somewhere thereabouts. Yes. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's a very, very nice setting. I hope for a movie someday. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it uses uh, tarot as uh, instead of dices. Okay. And uh, it's quite crunchy. And of course, it's our horror game. But so, so it's using a, a tarot, you said, instead of dice. Um... It's, it'd be interesting. It'd be interesting. So uh, I wonder if it, there's probably not an English translation of that out there, is there? Um, I don't know. Uh, I must check. But on more uh, on a more recent years, uh, we are talking about 2020, uh, in the Italian game, it went really big in Italy. It's called Not the End. And uh, it's a very generic system, like much, much more like the Cortex Prime or the Fate RPG system. And um, it won the um, Italian Game of the Years on the um, role-playing game uh, class. 
and I think uh, there are plans uh, to make a English translation Kickstarter soon, maybe okay. in a few months. It's interesting because I, I mean, in my mind, it's like you know, uh, it seems like the majority of, of the of the hobby obviously kind of centered around the U.S. But the more we have people from different vantage points, you know, more interesting things can happen. So the hobby is definitely big enough to be able to have, uh, you know, people with different ideas, different mechanics, different settings, different viewpoints, different worldviews to, you know, to kind of throw into that whole mix that we have. You know, we're, we're kind of living in a, in a pretty exciting time, really, as far as gaming goes. Yeah, uh, I really like that part of the, um, the medium. I mean, because uh, it's interesting how, I mean, uh, when you write a game, uh, some something about your belief and your uh, cultural background uh, would spill into the game, uh, no matter what. You, you can do it on, por- on purpose or not, but it happens. And then uh, when you read, uh, for example, a game from a designer in uh, the S- South Korea, is quite different from a game uh, written in the USA. Yeah, I was, I was listening. Do, do you did you uh, buy the uh, Knock magazine? They had a uh, like a, a Kickstarter. It's a bunch of like old school stuff. They got mashed together. It's called Knock. Uh, I think I see it pass it by, but I don't. Uh... Yeah, are you part of the RPG Zine group in uh, on on Facebook? Yes. Yes. Okay. So anyway, yeah, you probably have seen it. So what are the guy, one of the articles, are you familiar with the basic, um, the old school Dungeons and Dragons module called keep on the borderlands? Uh, yeah, I, I, I've, uh, I've heard uh, of it. Yeah. So, I mean, this came out like, like say late seventies. Uh, so the guy looked at this thing as an archeologist and he started analyzing it and he's like, this whole region is actually uh, Eastern Canada. He started listing all the reasons why it was, you know, in that region, including the, the idea that one of the creatures encountered was a cougar, which only exists in, a, in, a, in North America. And, oh. and, and I just started thinking, it's like, they probably did not necessarily go into that thinking, you know, I'm going to make this, you know, in this particular region, because the guy narrowed it down based on the trees, based on the, the whatever, it's here. And, um, and just like, um, so anyway, you can't sometimes just help that bring your experiences that actually can directly influence in ways that you just don't even, even imagine. So, and I think also, you know, especially you're talking about people from, from Asia and such, you know, they're, especially if watching, um, you know, like Japanese uh, um, shows and cartoons, like the, um, um, I forgot the guy's name, who, famous Japanese animator, um, Miyazaki. Um, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Uh, Studio Ghibli. Yeah. So it's like, you realize that their whole view of the supernatural is way different than our view of the supernatural. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> it's like... Must very. Yeah, so it's like, you know what, we, we, you know, do we need more orcs? Do we need more trolls that the way these are written? You know, it's like, you know, it's like, this is so much more, it's such a refreshing view to say, you know what, maybe, 
you know, maybe elementals are this way, or maybe demons are this way, or maybe orcs are this way, you know, they don't have orcs, but it's just the, you know, it, it does kind of add to it where if all you have is a bunch of people from the U.S. just recycling the same old stuff over and over again, it, 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 it gets old, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I like old stuff, uh, uh, especially when uh, you can, like, play it uh, through a modern lens. Yeah, but I find uh, I find this diversity. Uh, I, I mean, the, this kind of cultural exchange by proxy uh, quite refreshing. Yeah, it's kind of like I was listening to a podcast. And I forget the company, but there's a company out of Sweden. It's not Free League, but uh, but they went and created based on just traditional mythology. Went back and re re kind of say rewriting, but they're creating a setting just focusing on traditional uh, Swedish mythology rather mm -hmm. than the the European seen through a Tolkien lens. You know, it's what, what, what we have. So anyway, you, it does offer more like, <clears throat> and I think it makes, <clears throat> and the idea too is that it's not just monsters, but locations. Like they created a location where if you spill blood in this, in these woods, bad things will happen so you really don't want to fight because if, if blood is spilled the woods will come out against you oh nice you know it things will come alive that you don't really want alive and so now you're when you are in these woods how do you face conflict yeah because if you spill blood then things are better going to happen but yet you you will have a conflict how are you going to resolve that so you know i think that allows for a lot more interesting things so you've been doing game designing and you mentioned before we started that uh, that you've been doing game jams. Yes. So are these game jams through itch.io? Yes. Yes. Okay. So I'm of an age, old man. So I see, <clears throat> I see these game jams and I, and I scratch my head and I'll occasionally we'll see somebody say, hey, something about a game jam. So what is a game jam? I really don't understand. Yeah, basically we we riff the the concept of uh, the, the video game designer. Uh, they are uh, the, the inventor of the, the concept, I think. I mean, uh, the, the old things come comes from uh, Akaton, I, I think. So uh, basically you... It's, it's a prompt for yourself. So you have a, a fixed amount of time, uh, a fixed amount of constraint about your design. Could be teams or uh, a specific team or a specific format of your game. And you have to do it. And uh, they are basically... Um, they work uh, because uh, on the concept that... Um, uh, constraints uh, foster creativity okay and uh, i might say that in a way uh, the zinquest uh, thing on kickstarter uh, works uh, for the same reasons you're right because you're constrained by your format and because of the format a stapled a stapled eight and a half by well whatever constitutes an eight and a half by 11 it could be whatever the european version is but yeah yeah right so you can't you have you're limited by color yeah, especially the number of pages, because after a certain point, uh, you, you're, you're because it's stapled, 
fold and stapled, your your book's going to keep getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And then, yeah. you know, you just can't go past, say, people do. But, I mean, in general, it's – you're limited to maybe, say, f- maybe 40 or 50 pages in general is the most that you're going to normally get. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, you, you cannot uh, do a 300 plus uh, hardcover manual. You, you right. have to keep it simple. And, of course, the one-color challenge uh, proves uh, quite a challenge for, for us. Uh, we we act, we we don't uh, decide for black. We print uh, all uh, text included in uh, ultra ultramarine blue, so a very dark uh, shade of blue. And uh, I think I, I I'm happy about it because, uh, um, all, all, like all the, the illustration of the game are in one are monochromatic and in this specific color. So the illustration would be that way, uh, but uh, it's thank to Zinquest that uh, all the book is one color that way. And uh, I really like it because the, the finished effect is quite particular. Yeah, I agree. I did cheat a little bit. Um, I just on my cover, I did put a, uh, a another color for the words. Yeah, but I think that's uh, allowed, actually. Well, allowed and not allowed, it's actually, they're pretty, there's not much that's policed. So yeah, some people, yeah. and I don't want to get into an ethical decision because sometimes no, people no, get no, but... crazy, but, but, you know, there's a variation of, there, there's one group that's, and I think like yourself, it's like, you know what, I'm going to embrace this constraint in its fullest. You have one, one end of the spectrum and you have the other spin of spectrum. It's like, you know what, I can do whatever I want. Nobody's going to stop me. And then I think most of us tend to, you know, either follow it or maybe cheat a little bit. But, yeah, uh, but I'm pretty chill about it. I think uh, you do you, basically. Yeah. And uh, as long you you don't uh, go with a, a full box set set as a Zinquest, <laughs> I'm okay. I mean, if you come with the box, maybe I raise my eyebrow. You, well, actually, now that you say that, it's like, wow, I never thought about it. maybe because I did three. So what I did is mine scoundrels had it, it was three zines. But now that you say that, it's like maybe I could have just made an upper tier. You know, you get a box with dice and, you know, you know, whatever. Yeah. But uh, the problem I... is, though, with going too far is uh, with um, the way America, because shipping can mess with you once you start doing weird stuff so if you add dice to it you can no longer ship media mail here in the u.s so uh, yeah 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 uh, in uh, in europe it's quite the same and about the shipping we it's like a whole new kind of pain especially because uh, of brexit and, yeah those crazy uh, brits <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> i mean I, I don't know. I I refrain. Uh, I like I avoid any comment of that. But <laughs> it's no need. But the, no. the, the, the the British know that, so it's okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, actually we had uh, we had quite an issue with uh, we don't we don't use uh, drive through. But uh, of course I I I buy I I buy quite regularly for drive through from drive through. And the print of demand from Europe uh, comes from England. So there was, uh, uh, for all January, actually, customs uh, will um, stop package uh, coming uh, from uh, Drive2RPG. 
uh, with uh, parts uh, with uh, fees uh, very expensive like maybe uh, 20 euros so around uh, 24 dollars fee uh, over uh, it, it sounds like from my discussions with like alistair and some others it's actually kind of even inconsistent like yeah sometimes you may sometimes you may arrive fine sometimes it may come and you owe a vat tax sometimes you may owe a fee or it's just like there's no it seems like the post offices around there just don't aren't consistent as far as their handling of it which makes it even more confusing yeah yeah my opinion about it is that uh, uh, no one uh, actually believed that brexit will come true so like uh, until the december 31 it's all was all fine now right. our problem and then january through oh my god what you are doing and so uh, that's all pretty random yeah and i think the thing is 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 because i was thinking the same thing with here like you know if we had a couple states that just you know uh separate from the union there's just a there's so because we have like interstate you know free interstate commerce you know there's no restriction across yeah, yeah, yeah. but once you start messing with that everything has to be negotiated right yes. you know your postage system you'd have to create a new postage system and then rates through there around there i mean it's confusing it would be very confusing i would it, it took you know imagine a long time to get everything integrated and once it was integrated to to to, to disentangle all that is probably is a nightmare in ways that people never considered when they i'm not saying that the voting out was wrong because uh, i don't know i'm not british i can't you know judge that but i don't know that everybody really just understood how <clears throat> entangled everything was with everything else uh yeah uh, so right. anyway so now <laughs> trying to rpg uh getting shipments from them can at least at least for the moment and maybe forever uh be very expensive for you to get any physical product yeah yeah we we end up uh, uh taking contacts from uh, uh with a uh, with a person who actually is uh, is running a campaign uh, they're running a campaign right now and uh, our, our arrangement are basically we we take all their orders uh for the uk we do a big box, we ship to you, and then uh, we, we pay custom in advance if needed, and then you ship uh, to, to all the people. So uh, at least uh, this way we can pay the customs uh, for ourselves uh, on one uh, shipment and not uh, on only. Oh, only right. <laughs> it's like, you're right, because you, you have to get smart, because <clears throat> otherwise shipping just is such a, it will eat so much of that money. <clears throat> yeah yeah we we are uh, our original plan was uh, to like contraband of all designs in the UK uh, by swimming through the channel uh, but we have to rule that out because <laughs> So the project you have is called Little Katie's Tea Party. Yes. So what exactly is Little Katie's Tea Party? Okay, it's a game uh, where you are playing uh, imaginary friends of Katie's, having a tea party, and uh, recalling uh, past scene of Katie's childhood, uh, where uh, she confronted some uh, distress as long as grow opportunity, and uh, uh, you basically, as friend, uh, can help her and protect her. 
so you recall the scene and then you discuss whether uh, uh, your doings were uh, really the best for her. So it's like a story game. Uh, uh, it has no dice, uh, no master, mm. and you are drinking tea to resolve conflicts. And uh, it's really a game uh, for talking about parenthood and uh, how, what does it mean to lead by example? Well, this sounds like uh, this could actually, it, it's kind of interesting because so you have, not only do you have the things that you do, but then you have a follow-up to discuss the ethics of it all, right? Maybe not yeah. just the ethics, but, but, but actually it's like, and you know it sounds like what you're doing is you're creating a pattern like you know what maybe this is just a good thing to do in life right uh yes <laughs> maybe 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 i mean i mean uh, i think uh, that uh, discussing about parenthood uh, is a thing uh, i mean maybe not parenthood by itself but be a parent figure in uh, some way or an inspirational figure is a conversation uh, you anyone uh, would eventually uh, be doing uh, at any point of his life. Yeah, but I mean, I'm just thinking about like, you know, even like at work, you know, we kind of do things, things happen, we move on, things happen, we move on, things happen, we move on. But, you know, the idea that, you know, do we actually as a group come together and just reflect ah yeah the, the insight yes yes yeah i mean even like what you know because i mean you, you do talk parenthood and i think that is an important thing and i don't think <clears throat> as general myself included that we we necessarily do a great job of reflection but you know i think uh who was a philosopher said a, a, an unreflected life is not worth living but um i don't know was that like Socrates or somebody? But the idea is, you know, you should be reflecting. Of course, that's all they would do is, is reflect. And I guess when you're a Greek philosopher, you could just, you know, lounge about while people uh, brought you food and you could pontificate. But, but uh, you know, but when you mentioned the, the, the dynamic of this game, it's like, you know, that is actually probably just a, a good habit or pattern to have in life. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, I, I can't uh, I cannot disagree. But I mean, don't let me wrong, the the reflection part is important, but uh, I mean, the game is also an opportunity to have uh, uh, fun uh, with your players uh, because basically you are imaginary friends and uh, you are imaginary friend, so you can do uh, whatever you want. Right. Uh, as long uh, as long Katie is feeling protected. Uh, because this is your role, but uh, to make things interesting, uh, if, if Katie is feeling protecting, it could uh, never grow, outgrow uh, her problem. So you can also decide to act to make uh, Kate, uh, Kate feeling not protected, and then you could you could decide to. Uh, destroy the problem so uh, have a complete success but at the cost of becoming a monster so like <laughs> your imaginary friends will transfigure uh, will have a new look but uh, 
you you finally do your part in a way yeah i mean you're right because <clears throat> life can't be lived in a you can't live a life without trouble you can't live a life without conflict you can't live a life because you know kind of like with with my son kind of going through some things you know he's a you know when kids are real little you know you say you do this you don't do that you know it's it's very you know when they're three years old there's there's no discussing you know uh you know the finer points but you know as they get older you know there's sometimes just decisions that they're gonna have to do on their own so if they've got a, a friend that's a problem you know they need to get to the point where they need to make the decision whether what they need to do rather than me just saying you know what you know you can't play with johnny anymore or whatever you know what i'm saying so there is i think a point where <clears throat> you can't keep them as they get older you can't directly keep them from having problems but you can help direct them through their problems yes yes because you know when they're three years old and if, if bobby comes up and, and punches them in the nose you say you know what bobby's not coming around anymore i don't care but when they get older you know the bobbies in life they're gonna have to deal with yeah, yeah of course. you know they may not be punching the in the physical nose but they will be <laughs> punching the in the you know the the metaphorical nose and so what you're saying is you got a situation where you're a parent but really it doesn't even have to be a parent right it's just somebody that you love yeah yeah somebody you look up at you could actually flip roles right could you could you in this game make katie be your mother and everybody else trying to protect the mother oh i mean it would be a different game but if some someone is up to trying uh, why so not? hear me not playing your game and i'm already trying to 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 mess with it but but i i think the concept's kind of kind of cool there you know what i'm saying is you could take an object of of somebody you care about and you could make the game about them and in in your way of of working with them to because your ultimate goal is to do because your ultimate goal is to do what's right for katie right yes yes that's the ultimate goal whatever that means yes yes and uh, this is uh of course subjective uh it's not uh like a a true in the stone a truth in the stone right and this is basically the current of the game maybe uh, you play a scene and uh, for this scene uh, and only for this scene that they're the the right way is to protect her but uh, maybe if you didn't uh, katie could grow stronger uh, i mean uh, he, she she could uh, she can endure a little uh, distress maybe something a little unpleasant but uh, to 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 be uh, to be more grown to to become an adult I mean, and uh, I'm not referring the, only to things that are unpleasant and distressful for uh, for the grown-ups. The perfect example uh, uh, for me is uh, teaching a kid uh, to ride a bike. I mean, uh, I'm uh, I, I remember I, I cry a lot uh, while when I was uh, uh, learning how to ride a bike, but. Uh, 
my father pushed me and now I, I can do it. Right. So what prompted, so, uh, so what prompted this idea for this particular um, game? So what, what was the vision? What said, what came to you in a vision say, you know what, this is what I must do. What brought that, that vision quest to you? I, um, I don't really know because I, I like to say that I build my game around like that, um, those errant toft you have during the day. Like you are super focused uh, on a thing and uh, your brain uh, like uh, uh, is derping out and you, you have this wild stuff in your brain. Um, then you work on it and uh, you make a, I, I usually work on it and uh, made out a game if I can. Okay. So it was like uh, this, uh, like a, this process. Um, if uh, I have like to, to think about it and maybe do some retro, some uh, self searching, I would say that uh, uh, I'm in a, a time of my life that uh, where uh, I want to have this conversation, so I, I want to talk uh, about uh, to be a better parent, and so I make a make a game. I made a game to talk about it. So you made a game that is something that you feel is useful or needed by you, and because you feel passionate about it, um, and and we're all human, uh, other people would likely be as interested in as well. Oh, oh God! I I hope so. I mean, <laughs> we'll you find also out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you also drink tea, so that's quite universal as well. Oh, I, so that's that's part of the thing. So is the is is there any tea mechanics involved in this? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you drink tea uh, to resolve conflict. So basically, drinking tea is a social signal uh, that you can do uh, to to stay silent. So maybe a player asks you a question, uh, um, a question you, you don't want to answer uh, because you don't know or because you, you want to, to answer that by playing. So you sip from your cup of tea. Uh, you, have to, uh, you have to play in a property party. So you can play offline, of course, but everyone uh, of the player should have a cup of tea. You can drink tea or just uh, use it like a prop. And, okay. Uh, uh, but yes, so the main role of the game is uh, uh, every player can ask away or uh, give suggestion uh, because uh, all other players can uh, stay silent by drinking by drinking their tea. And also, when you start a conflict with your character, so you try to protect Katie and achieve something, you. Based, based on your role in the scene, so you're playing your friend or you're playing Katie or you're playing the role who manifests the, the discomfort and the distress, you are drinking and the different thing happens. That's very interesting. So it sounds like you've already, uh, so you have a number of people on your team to, to produce this product. So, oh. you're not, so you've got an artist and you've got some other people too involved, right? Yes, yes, yes. And so it sounds like uh, 
it sounds like there's more than just you that's that believes in this product. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, so that's a good sign, right? People are excited. It yes, sounds... I, I mean, it, I mean, it's a game about uh, friendship. Uh, so it it feels uh, it feels, uh, it feels uh, wrong uh, wrong for me uh, if I didn't uh, uh, with my friend and uh, right my my family and stuff. Yeah, so I mean, it's easy because you know I kind of went about with like kind of by myself, and it's just kind of like you kind of cross your fingers and you're thinking like like I, I hope somebody hope somebody out there wants it. But I think the thing is, is you you play you this game's been played with multiple people. You got a group of friends that are doing this. I mean, it's it's definitely a very it's a very positive game. It's something it's, it's I would say it's 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 maybe not unusual as far as the indie like the real far indie scene but i mean i think it's definitely a um but it is a very interesting novel approach to 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 doing something um which i think the one of the beauties of zine quest is that people who normally wouldn't consider a game are seeing these types of games and different kinds of games than they normally play um and that they can get and a lot of times at very affordable prices. Yes, yes. I mean, uh, I think this is maybe the best because uh, uh, of if I had to do it maybe on a different time without Zinquest, uh, I had to do probably uh, a book with, uh, uh, I mean, which is more expensive. Let's not... Uh, fiddle it around and uh, i i think i i had struggled uh, more to let my game know uh, be known and uh, and stuff like that because uh, i really like the vibe of of zinquest uh, in which uh, all the weird stuff are more than welcome and uh, also i really like that uh, Basically, we have uh, like eight uh, eight hundred projects in the on the platform yeah. right now. Like, but uh, we we are not really all competitors, but uh, we are like uh, a community. We are supporting each other. Uh, we all, uh, I think, we uh, have all spent uh, a few hundred of bucks or, or more <laughs> in other projects because they are all really cool. Uh, and uh, so th this is uh, this is really nice to me. Yeah. So th the other thing is, why did you why are you waiting to the end of the Kickstarter or of Zine Quest to release the product? Um, because we we are uh, really really late uh, with uh, everything else. Oh, okay. So it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't by design, just based on circumstances. No, 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 not really. <laughs> and it may do fine. It just seems like I know for myself, I'm just like, you know, both having done ran a project, which is stressful, but also just the just the amount of stuff that came out. It was just it just it's almost uh, overwhelming, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, I didn't expect so much stuff. Um, I, I think there's gonna be more next year. Uh, that will be interesting. <laughs> yeah, the, maybe, maybe Kickstarter will do Zine Quest Part One in February, and maybe Zine Quest Part Two in June. I don't no, know. No, because people will do two of two. It would just be just as bad. 
Right. <laughs> right. I was going to run two projects, and they and they said, "No, you're not running two projects. No, you can't. You can't have a you can't have a second project. Oh, uh, start a second project when you haven't fulfilled your first. So, um, so anyway, it's that's the way we are. We just game the system if we can. So, um, so I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's just going to be even more people next year, even more people. Because um, I'm an admin now in the RPG zine, uh, our um, uh, community on Facebook, and the number of people is coming in is huge. And the number of people coming from, <clears throat> you know, from uh, Europe is also astounding. So yes. it's, it's, it's starting to see a lot of different things coming through. And it's my hope that more and more people non-us start really putting out stuff on that on uh, on those groups uh, as well because you know it's just you guys have a lot to offer yeah uh, it's a very nice group by the way i mean uh, i i found out uh, many 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 useful advice and many many cool products on it yeah, it is pretty pretty amazing. Well, I think we're hitting the time space con uh, continuum, and uh, uh, and I think it's about time to uh, to head out. So, uh, do you have any closing words that you you want to speak? Uh, yes, may I leave a note to myself, like a message in the bottle. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, to my future self, um, it will be all right. Don't sweat it. <laughs> or good. Yeah, to to uh, to your future self, I'll say everything is fine. But and I'll tell you, tell you right now, uh, it's it's until you fund, even if you know you're going to fund, until you fund, it is it is it is hard. It is hard. Even if you're like ten dollars away from funding, it doesn't matter. It is still an emotional like. It, 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 yeah, it yeah, twists you up. I mean, uh, a friend of mine uh, said uh, something wise like a couple of days ago. And uh, it says to me that 14 days is the maximum amount of time a human can go without uh, sleeping before dying. <laughs> and so I'm really glad that the Zinquest campaign lasts only 14 days uh, because uh, this would uh, definitely happen. And uh, I'm glad that I, I don't die because, of course, <laughs> if I found, I need to finish the project. So exactly, exactly. <laughs> I better better stash that that uh, the file somewhere in case uh, something does happen. You can, you know, yeah, I kind of thought that myself, too. It's like, well, what happens if, you know, and that does happen. That's happened with Kickstarters before, you know, but uh, yeah, anyway, you'll do fine. I'm sure you'll find and uh, I'm looking forward Thank to, you. to see it. And uh and you take care, Eduardo. Okay, thank you. <laughs>